Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. We've obviously been a lot of NFL heavy, talking about Derek Carr, his production for 2022, what our expectations are, and we'll get back to that. But right now we got to take a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a shift, and turn our attention to the college game. And to help us do that, our good friend Shehan Jaraja from CBS Sports joins us now. And Shehan has been a guy that I knew from back at Baylor. I knew him from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and so on and so forth. My man's been on the rise for a long time, and now he's doing his thing for CBS Sports. So off top, Shayhan, how you been, man, and congratulations. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been so excited to see you doing big things, getting a chance to go do stuff with the Raiders, man. It's been it's been fun to see you rise, too, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, let's jump right into it, man. I mean, this college football thing, of course, we you know covered the Big 12 together for a long time and kind of saw stuff like this on the rise, but didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be to where it is right now. UCLA, UCLA and USC, they head to the Big 10, leaving the Pac-12. When you saw that, when that report first came out, what were your thoughts you know it's funny because i remember last year right the texan oklahoma news came out and it was surprising but the thing that was most surprising about it was the timing it, it was that i thought that maybe we'd be talking more like 23 24 when we started to maybe see texan oklahoma make that kind of move uh with usc and ucla it was the fact that it happened you know in a way to me it was more shocking than texan oklahoma even though we've kind of started this round of realignment because to me uh, it, it's kind of the death of geography in college football. I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at USC and UCLA, they're 1,500 miles from the closest school in Nebraska in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they're going to have to make road trips 2,700 miles to go play Rutgers some years. It, it's just total chaos. And, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of focus on football for good reason, but, I mean, basketball players are going to have to play games in four different time zones and volleyball players and baseball and softball and track it's kind of a crazy situation, and I understand why uh, for, for USC or UCLA you have to do it. You have to cash in and make potentially more than $100 million. But, it, you know, it, it certainly is a crazy situation, and, and I don't envy anybody who has to work out some of the logistics of that move. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, you know, the funny thing about it is is I've always been a big NFL guy, and people always told me college football is where it's at, Q, because of the pageantry. Uh, it's where it's at because of the rivalries. At some point, it feels like the, all the pageantry and rivalries are going to be long gone, and it's just going to be all about the almighty dollar. Definitely. And, you know, for me, this, this is a mistake. Now, I understand, uh, like you said, the almighty dollar and, and why they're doing this and, and the short-term grabs that they're making. But at the end of the day, right, like the, the point of college football and the appeal of it, at least from my perspective, is the, the, you know, the, the sort of proximity, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's people going to their schools. It's people playing rivals that are right there in the area, being around graduates of other uh, other programs in the area and getting to talk about college football in a regional way, right? So, I mean, if you try to make the appeal purely national, like you said, I mean, it's kind of a mini NFL, but 
with worse players, right? And so <laughs> it's kind of a, a silly way, in my opinion, to think of it. We'll see if it's a smart gamble long term. But, you know, I, I understand, right? If you're one of the television executives and you see, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma a couple years ago, or you see Penn State, Auburn last year, and you see these big ratings and think, well, what if we did that all the time? I understand the logic behind it, but the reality is what makes these matchups big and what makes these programs big is having a certain level of scarcity. And I wonder when we move to a world where all these brands are just kind of playing each other all the time. I I mean, look, the reality is what makes whatever program, you know, whatever makes USC, USC, and whatever makes Oregon State, Oregon State, is not necessarily, you know, sort of a constant state of being. It's that they kind of fall into a, a place in the pecking order. When you have a conference that's filled with nothing but these big brands, Somebody's about to fall to that level, too, and, and suddenly become a much less valuable program. When it comes to the um, TV contracts, I think Fox has a deal with the Pac-12, right? Yeah, so, so the Pac-12 kind of splits between uh, both Fox and ESPN. It, it seems like they might potentially go in a little bit more of a Fox direction, but, uh, but certainly this throws everything into whack. Yeah, so with the, like, just the super conferences being held there, how is this going to affect the television dollars and who gets what? Yes, yeah, so certainly, I mean, look, we're, we're moving to a point, I can't remember who said it yesterday, I don't want to steal their bit, but they said basically we're moving towards the ESPN versus Fox League, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've got the SEC, which is completely bankrolled by ESPN. The Big Ten is entering negotiations now, but they have strong relationships with Fox. Actually, Fox owns more than 60% of the Big Ten network on its face. They enter into a period where they're basically going to be negotiating alongside the Big Ten if there are any other pieces of their contract that they give to anybody else so fox really runs that league and so now i think it's going to be really interesting because espn has deep ties to the acc um the big 12 has had relationships with both fox and espn uh the pac-12 has also had relationships with both so you know it's going to be kind of interesting because these are both partners of both of these television networks uh, alongside these other leagues so you know, when you look at compensation, right, I mean, the, the, the Big Ten and SEC are about to clear $100 million per school per year in, in compensation based on estimates, which is more than double what, uh, what schools are currently making in most other leagues. Uh, you know, I, I think that we got some estimates that potentially the Big 12 could kind of stay on a similar trajectory just because of the rise in television dollars over the last little while. Um, you know, at the, the Pac-12 was supposed to potentially be on a better trajectory than the Big 12, but certainly losing their biggest brand in USC and also just kind of losing their legitimacy a little bit with losing USC, I think is going to hurt them a whole lot. So you'd expect that to go down dramatically. I think I saw one estimate that could have them going from the mid-40s to about $30 million a year before anybody looks to the Big 12. So it's definitely something that could have a massive impact on the payouts for these conferences. And and look, we don't really know what a post-super conference world looks like from a television perspective. The Pac-12 comes back up in 2024 and the Big 12 in 2025. So we'll get answers soon, but we don't really know as yet. Talking all things college football right now with Shayhan Jaraja from CBS Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now your colleague, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, he put out the fact that there's about six teams looking to get into the Big 12. And, you know, when we were covering the Big 12, it's like, oh, man, the Big 12 is dying. The Big 12 is dying. Now it looks like there's programs dying to get into the Big 12. What's, what's the latest with that? 
Definitely. So with the way that things are right now, certainly I think the Pac-12 teams are going to do their due diligence. Uh, the Pac-12 put out a statement earlier today saying that they are authorizing their conference to go in and start to look for uh, for negotiation options with their television contracts right away. Uh, you know, I think that usually they'd wait another year and kind of in that last year potentially go into negotiations. But they want to know now how much money would be available to them. And if they don't like the answer, and I don't expect that uh, that Fox or ESPN is going to give them a very big offer. I, I think that all of these schools are going to kind of look at what other options may be available to them. So I, I think that right now, uh, like you mentioned, Dennis reported that the Big 12 might be looking at up to six schools. I, I expect that the first four are going to move a little bit quicker than the last two. So the first four would be Colorado, Utah, and both Arizona schools. You know, they're kind of right in the edge of the Big 12 footprint. Uh, you know, Utah obviously would team back up with BYU, Colorado was there before, and the Arizona schools are in the American Southwest, so it's not necessarily out of the way. The two that you that we might not get answers on would be Washington and Oregon. And, you know, when you look at the landscape right now, uh, I think a lot of this is just going to depend on what Notre Dame does, because if Notre Dame decides to join the Big Ten, I, I think that Washington and Oregon would probably be in a good situation to get into the Big Ten as well, just for numbers' sake. But if Notre Dame decides to stay independent, which they certainly might decide to do, I think that Washington and Oregon are going to be in a pretty tough position. Now, they're going to exhaust all their options, not just to get into the Big Ten, but if they could get into the SEC, they'd do it for sure, just with the amount of money that's at stake, even though they would be a massive geographical outlier. So a lot of questions to answer for those two programs. I don't expect an answer from those two in the next little while. I think maybe if the numbers don't look very good in this 30-day negotiating window from the Pac-12, I I think that most likely uh, those four teams could potentially be looking to join the Big 12. Let me ask you this. Is there any word on Stanford and Cal? Because I haven't heard anybody talking about those two programs. No, no. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting situation. So I, I think that Cal most likely – well, let me back up. I, I think that the Big Ten, you know, again, it's, it's very dependent on Notre Dame. Because if Notre Dame decides to come in, I think that all of a sudden – you know, maybe you do look at a Stanford. I think that Stanford would be a very attractive program from the Big Ten's perspective. One, because you get another foothold in California, but also, two, because they're a very high-achieving academic school. They've got great funding. They obviously, uh, I think, would be a strong addition for the branding of the, of the Big Ten Conference, which is a conference that takes, you know, sort of the academic rigor very seriously. Uh, Cal's going to be interesting. I, I think that Cal is in a tough position because they've had well-documented history of of having issues funding stuff. It's, it hasn't necessarily been a spot where people like to be. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches have left for comparable jobs or even in some cases lesser jobs. You know, I, I, a couple of years ago, the big story was that Sonny Dykes basically after one year was trying to get out and was potentially interviewing at Baylor, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that Cal probably is not as attractive as they need to be right now to feel good about where they are. Uh, and, and so I think that they kind of get left behind a little bit, like with, you know, what it looks like right now, Oregon State and Washington State. So uh, a lot of questions, again, still up in the air. I mean, a lot of this just depends on Notre Dame. They're the one who really holds all the cards in a lot of ways. But uh, but I don't feel good about where Cal is right now. And I think Stanford most likely is going to be okay. When it comes to the college football playoff, what are going to be the long-term implications of this? We know that it's got to expand eventually, but when it comes to these super conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, are we going to see that they automatically get two bids because it's just going to be such a big conference and everyone can't play each other? 
I, I think that this is a really big question because, you know, for example, if we go into this year and uh, so, so if you go back to the negotiating table, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips was really the one blocking this because he, you know, he wanted to wait until things were more open, until they had more open negotiations, until uh, realignment and all this kind of settled. But now we're in a position where, you know, heading into 2026, the Big Ten and SEC can kind of dictate whatever playoff they want. You know, so they could potentially create spots that uh, that are required for themselves. Now, I really hope, and, and certainly this is just wishful thinking on my part, that we get a similar model to what we talked about before, a 12-team playoff with six auto bids, because I do think that even though the Big Ten and the SEC will win every, you know, basically every year, and they'll also probably get like five of the six uh, at-large bids, I think that that's better for the sport to at least get some of these other teams in the in the playoff and have them have a shot at the national stage. I, I think that that helps mitigate some of the losses that you're going to have uh, when you do have a sport that's purely nationalized and kind of loses its regional identity. But I don't know if that's what we're going to do. I mean, there's a potential that we end up in a situation where we almost have an NFL-style playoff <laughs> where, mm-hmm. you know, the Big Ten and SEC hold their own playoffs and the winners just play each other like in a Super Bowl. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. I think that uh, some of this just depends on how much the, the Big Ten and SEC want to give because right now everybody else is kind of just at their mercy. Right. I agree with you. And it does seem like it's getting closer and closer to NFL style, uh, as you just described right there. Again, we're talking with Shehan Jaraja uh, from CBS Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. Closer to home as far as Baylor goes, it looks like in the Big 12 there was a point where it was like, okay, Oklahoma and Texas, and then there's everybody else. It seems like to me that Baylor is just about the powerhouse right now in the Big 12. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that they're in a great position to kind of step up into that role. I think you certainly have to mention Oklahoma State as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, but I, I love personally, you know, uh, I, I personally love this league. I, I think that it's going to be a really fun league. I think you've got 12 teams that all have a chance to be competitive. You know, obviously long-term we'll see what Kansas is. But I think that almost everybody can win the league in this league, right? I mean, we're talking about 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 teams that really invest heavily in football. And Houston, to me, is, is a program that this upcoming year has a chance to maybe be, uh, you know, kind of a Cincinnati-style college football playoff contender. Cincinnati made the field last year. UCF went undefeated a couple years ago. BYU has back-to-back top 15 finishes. So, I mean, it's going to be a great league, and I think that it's probably going to be known for its parity. But I agree. I mean, if, if you're asking for one program, and especially one coaching staff that you want to buy into long-term heading into this new Big 12, I, I think Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears right now are in a great position. All right, when it comes to, we all remember, Power 5 schools, <laughs> the ACC, the Big 12, and the ACC, excuse me, and the Pac-12, which one do you think will no longer be around in maybe three or five years, if you had to guess? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think with the way that things are trending right now, I think that, uh, that we'd probably see a very weakened Pac-12, you know, one that's maybe not considered one of the power conferences. I, I, I imagine that, again, those four schools, it really looks like they're trending towards joining the Big 12. And if they join the Big 12... I don't think that there's a way that the Pac-12 can necessarily recover. And, and we don't know, again, at this point, what Washington and Oregon are going to do. That's really, I think, a lot more up in the air. But even if they were to stay in the league with Stanford, with Cal, with Oregon State and Washington State, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that that's enough to, to make the backbone of, of a conference that's going to compete with even this new Big 12, the 16-team Big 12 that's been proposed. And so I, I think that, you know... Look, the reality is that most conferences don't fully disappear. I mean, even the WAC still exists, you know, <laughs> but 
but I think that they probably end up becoming some sort of, uh, I, I think there probably ends up being some sort of merger with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. And it's, it would be a better conference than the current Mountain West, but it wouldn't quite be the Pac-12 uh, in a time when everybody else is improving. So I, I think that the Pac-12 is probably the one that is most at risk for becoming sort of a lesser conference. But, I mean, the ACC is a total wild card here, in my opinion, because they've got three teams that I think can be championship caliber. But if the SEC wants all three of them, you know, I think all of a sudden they're in a tough position, too. So I, I think that I feel worse right now about the Pac-12's position because it's going on right now. But, I mean, the ACC might be a year or two away from being in the same sort of trouble. You know, that's the question I was going to ask uh, to close things out with you is about the Mountain West. And do you see those Pac-12 teams uh, eventually just joining the Mountain West and making that a stronger uh, conference? Yeah, I think that we probably get at least some version of it uh, mixing up, right? So, I, I mean, you know, for, for, for reality's sake, right, I mean, it, they might take the Pac-12 branding, but it's going to be a merger of some type right. uh, in all intents and purposes. So I do think that's what ends up happening. I mean, the reality is Oregon State and Washington State truly have nowhere to go right now with the way that things are kind of working out. And so uh, I think that we do see them teaming up with the Boise State. I think we do see them teaming up with the Colorado State. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, that, of course, people are very intrigued about what UNLV can become long-term. So I, I think that, uh, that it's going to be an intriguing situation for them. Um, and, and look, Oregon State and Washington State have very good, engaged fan bases. I don't expect that they're going to go anywhere. But, um, but I do think that they end up sort of teaming up with at least some measure of these Mountain West teams if everybody else does end up leaving. It's going to be interesting. It really is. And that's why we went to you, because I knew you had the full breakdown, my man. That was great stuff right there. What do you got coming out on CBS Sports that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, yeah. So last week I actually put up a, a series actually with my colleague Dennis Dodd. We kind of looked at the future of college football and, uh, and kind of looked at the player uh, compensation piece. We looked at the governance piece. And uh, thankfully, uh, the, all the news about USC and UCLA came out uh, the day before our last piece was due. We had time to <laughs> update it in time. But make sure and check that out at CBSports.com. No doubt. And, my man, when you come out to Las Vegas, man, make sure you hit me up, man. I'd, I'd definitely love to catch up with you. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. Hey, appreciate you. There he goes, Shayhan Jiraja, CBS Sports on Twitter at Shayhan Jiraja. And what a great breakdown right there of college football. Just gave you everything you need to know. One-stop shop. From the Big 12 to the SEC to the Pac-12 to the Mountain West. Gave you everything you need to know. One-stop shop. Again, Shehan Jaraja, uh, dude, has really been grinding. Uh, and I, I really respect the hell out of grinders, man. I mean, this dude was covering Baylor just for Baylor, for the school. He, was, he went to Baylor and then, boom, goes to a, a, you know, another outlet and he's working and writing for them and just covering college football like a glove every step of the way. So great stuff right there from Shehan. Definitely appreciate his time this afternoon. 420 is the time. Come back. Take your calls and texts. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Talked earlier in the show about Derek Carr and his expectations for 2022. We'll talk about the defense tomorrow's show. We'll deep dive into Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, turnovers, what the defense realistically can do. Again, as we're counting down the days to the start of training camp, you have the rookies report on the 18th and the veterans report on the 20th. I'm expecting to be at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center probably the 21st or 22nd, probably at the latest. So that's coming quick, fast, and in a hurry. I mean, the train is around the, the corner, right? You can hear it coming down the tracks. You see the, you see the headlights, and you know that, hey, this thing is coming full steam ahead. So looking forward to that. That's just a couple uh, short weeks away, and so uh, we excited about that. So I had a lot of conversation earlier 
about Derek Carr and his his uh his production and five five thousand yards, thirty touchdowns is that realistic? And as mo- most people said, five thousand yards isn't even necessary, but the thirty touchdowns is something that everyone really should focus on. And as a matter of fact, got a couple of tweets I wanted to get to really quick about that. Uh, first one's from my guy Fabian. Yes, five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns is doable. Remember that he was on pace for six thousand yards before the wheels came off last year, and we were disappointed in the fireworks last night. Kinds. Kind of expected more. That's from my guy Fabian, who's actually in town. I don't know how long he's in town for. I don't know when he's headed back, but he's in town. Uh, would love to catch up with him before he goes. But, uh, you know, that's that's good stuff right there from Fabian. Do appreciate that. Um, John said, I think you're spot on with Carr's numbers being down, but touchdowns being up, and that Mag- McDaniels will help balance out the offense more than last year. Uh, we did abandon the run a lot last year. Well, I think that the Raiders tried to run the Rock a lot but couldn't do it early in the in the season. Later in the season, I think that they went to the run a lot more because they were able to run the ball, right? The offensive line was starting to come together, and there was actually some holes for Jacobs to actually be able to run through, and that's why that four-game winning streak that they went on, a lot of that had to do with the success of the run game. Like he said after a loss one time, Josh Jacobs had been, yeah. hey, y'all see it out there. Where you expect me to go? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's good stuff right there. Uh, got another tweet that I wanted to get to, and I hope I didn't lose it. And all of a sudden, they came through fast and furious. A bunch of retweets of the show. Al, it was Alan's tweet, and I wanted to get to it. it was, Real quick, while you look for that, shout yeah. out to Fargo Raider for the uh, Obi Melon Famu Bigfoot <laughs> Photoshop there, because I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he's definitely Bigfoot. That's 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 a world class uh, Bigfoot right there, Obi Melon Famu. Uh, Raider Ray. Hit us up and said, people only talk about how Carr finished fifth in passing yards in 2021. Everybody forgets that he was in the lead from like. Weeks 8 to 14, he only fell to fifth because we went to a run-heavy game plan the last four weeks of the season. And, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, you can't – and I say this all the time. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You know, just like people talk about point differential and talk about, well, if you take the two Chiefs games out, then it would be different. Yeah, but you can't. You can't take the games away. They were there. You can't just look at weeks 8 through 14. You can't look through week 1 through 5. I mean, you have to look at the whole body of work because that's what it is. You know, I mean, we can talk about, hey, well, that was a great show from 3 to 3.30. You know what I mean? Well, what happened to the rest of the show? Well, not so much. Can't do it. It's a whole body of work. So I get it, and it's it's easy to kind of make your argument when you start to, you know, put parameters on it like that where you start going uh, one week to the other week. Well, this was what it was until, you know, no, it's it's the whole body of work. You just got to be consistent with that. So that's, uh, you know, that's that's it's easy. Like I said, it's easy to make your argument, but it's not really realistic as far as I'm concerned. Uh, here's Aaron's tweet. I think 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards for Carr is possible. But with Josh McDaniels' offense, I can see a couple games where the run game takes over and maybe the passing stats won't be as high. I'll take more wins than stats. And again, I think that that is the most important thing of all is the wins. And when we have Mo Moten on, who did the over-under for the Raiders, uh, and he did a really good job on it, he said over 8.5, and, and he thinks that 10. He thinks that 10 is is reasonable for the Raiders this season. And I asked him, was 10 enough to get him into the playoffs? And he said, I don't know. It's going to come down to tiebreakers, which in my opinion means it's going to come down to that last game of the season, as I thought it was going to come down to that last game of the season in, uh, in, in week 18 versus the, uh, the Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium. I, I would be all for that. I really would. I would love for it to come down to that. I know that's heart attack material that sit on the edge of your seat and nervous as all hell, but I, I mean, I, I would be really excited if that's the way that the season ended because you know, one, first of all, that game would be flexed. It'd be a Sunday night game. It'd be just like it was last season where all eyes are on Allegiant Stadium and may the best team win. 
Exactly. Like like you said, if it's flexed and it's Sunday night, that's what you want. Remember that game with the Chargers? Edge of your seat. The pay, the place is packed. That's what I would want to see. Obviously, if they're like 12 and 3 or whatever and they hey, don't have to worry about the game, obviously that's great too. Good for the Raiders. But you want that last game, tiebreakers included, that win and you're in. Not, hey, maybe if the Steelers lose here and this team does that, if this game ends in a tie. Like, you don't want to be who the Steelers were last season. Right, no, Or you're just, no. like, on the edge of your seat, just biting your fingernails about which decision. Win and you're in. Right. And that'll be great drama for the last game of the season. Fabian just said, we left this morning pulling into our driveway now. So I guess Fabian's out of town. <laughs> <laughs> so that puts an answer to that. But, uh, okay, there we go. I'm glad you guys made it to the house safely. Uh, Shashi hit us up on Twitter and said, I have no problem if Farr wants to disrespect Carr. He's a Hall of Famer, and that's his prerogative. But just don't say no disrespect. That's the first sign you're about to disrespect. Just own it or don't uh, caveat or caveat your statement. Uh, and then he said, Farr didn't use the Waller-Renfro effect to explain possible Adams dropped off. He went straight quarterback, and that's okay. Again, just don't tell us that you you're, aren't doing something that you're doing. So uh, that was Shashi on Twitter. Uh, hit us up talking about what Brett Favre said that, De- that Devontae Adams was not going to have the same year he had with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And again, I don't I don't really take it as a disrespect. I think that it's realistic. Like Aaron Rodgers and, and Derek Carr are not the same quarterbacks. They're not. And that's okay. I mean, I've said that so many times. And I think Derek Carr would tell you, that's fine. He's not trying to be, he's not trying to be Aaron Rodgers. He's trying to be Derek Carr. He's trying to be the best Derek Carr he could be. And that's a guy who can win games. That's a guy who can get him to the playoffs, and that's a guy who can go on a run. He's got the tools to do it. He just has to have a team around him. And in my opinion, just my opinion, he's got the team around him. But to Sashi's tweet, I do agree 100% when you say no disrespect. Oh, yeah. Now I got to take it as disrespect. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I'll say that sometimes. I'll say, hey, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful, but, I mean, you know, it's just it is what it is. Sometimes you got to call it what it is, you know. And, again, it's not – everything doesn't have to be disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like, that's the point. Everything doesn't always have to be disrespectful. It's just you can state a fact without being – an a-hole about it, right? At least that's what I think. So yeah, be, I don't think Brett Favre, he didn't, yeah, he didn't disrespect him. Like, what he said wasn't outrageous. No, I mean, and hell, he said that Carr's a good quarterback. And he said he's not on Aaron Rodgers' yet, level yet. I don't think he'll ever be on Aaron Rodgers' level. I think people are just cut differently, right? It don't matter how much I go out and play basketball and practice. I'm never going to be MJ or, you know what I mean? Whatever. I'm, I'm just going to be me, right? I mean, that's, that's all you could ever be. It doesn't matter, you know, we could argue LeBron, MJ all day long, but... All they could do is be the best them, right? I mean, that's it. Now, they're damn good. They're elite, right? They're the elite of the elite. Who's someone who's not elite? Like, think of, I mean, Clay Thompson. He's great. Exactly. But, but we don't have him in good. the conversation of LeBron and MJ, but that's okay. He's got four rings, and he's one of the best uh, best shooters out there. Who cares? But we're never going to put him in the conversation of greatest. That's okay. And Clay is super comfortable with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably a little bit too chill. Like, yeah, it's good. I'm just going to keep going out. That's the thing. Like, you don't always have to be the best of the best. You want to push yourself to be the best. No matter how much I want to be the greatest of all time to ever do this radio thing, I'll probably never, ever be that guy, but I'll just be the best of me. You know what I mean? And and as long as I continue to get better every day, that's all that matters. As far as I'm concerned, uh, at least I'll I'll never have a regret. I mean, Carr's not trying to be Rodgers. And like I said, he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be Carr. He doesn't have to be Rodgers. He doesn't have to be Favre. He doesn't have to be Marino. He doesn't have to be none of those cats. He just has to be a guy, then go out there, deliver the ball, understand the offense, get everything going, win games, and and do what he does. And the one thing that he does great is come from behind. He does it all the time. Now, a lot of Raider fans, including myself, would love for him not to have to do that all the time. It's a little stressful. (laughs) But it happens. 
The thing is, he's able to get it done. I don't think Derek Carr is worried about who he's not. I think he's worried about more of who he is. Yeah, and with that pursuit of being the best Derek Carr that he wants to be, it comes with the territory that if he keep, if he goes out there and he proves and he wins and he wins, this takes his team to a Super Bowl, wins a Super Bowl, then those accolades will come. You don't have to worry about, hey, are you as good as Derek Rogers? I mean, as Aaron Rodgers, no, you were the best Derek Carr, and that was good enough to take a team or win a Super Bowl if that happens. Right. I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls that I just think are okay or good. You know, and I, I keep I hate beating a dead horse, but I mean, I think Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. Great. It's awesome. Now, if he goes and strings together two, three more, then okay, maybe we'll, you know, renegotiate that conversation and say, okay, he's better than I thought he was. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's elite. Just my opinion, <laughs> right? Justin Herbert, I think he's really good. He's got to prove that he's elite. He hasn't, he hasn't shown me that he's elite, not that he's trying to prove me, but I, he's not, to me, Russell Wilson, I thought was in the upper echelon, but. It's kind of fell off a little bit, right? And, and I still think he's really good. I think he's damn good. But I wouldn't pencil Russell Wilson into the Hall of Fame right now. Would you do that? I think I, I do think that Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. Right I, now, this, today, if his career was over, you'd put Russell Wilson in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Sometimes, like John McClain said, like okay. the Super Bowl, it skews it a right, little no, I'm not, bit. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm just talking yeah. about his body of work. I'm not yeah, talking Just the body of work. But okay. having that Super Bowl ring, like Eli Manning, if you get like the, the exact same numbers, okay. even the playoff numbers, but say, hey, but he lost both of those Super Bowls? Eli Manning, he's not in the Hall of Fame. But, hey, he won those two Super Bowls, right. and now he's in. Well, you know, and I, I don't know Russell Wilson's career numbers off the top of my head, so, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to go back and look at it. But I just feel like when he was at his best, he had a really good run game, and he had a really good defense. And ever since then, like, he started off the season really strong, put up some big numbers. He's like, oh, it's going to be MVP Russ. He's never even been in the voting for an MVP. Like, think about that. Ever. And he would have two rings if Pete Carroll wasn't trying to force feed him as the MVP of the Super Bowl. In my opinion. But they tried to force feed him. They didn't want Marshawn Lynch, who is only there until he doesn't get fined, to be the MVP of the game, which he would have been if he had scored the game winning touchdown, in my opinion. Just my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that I look at that I don't think are elite. I just think that they're really good. You know how sometimes people get tired when ESPN puts up a stat, the first person to do this on a Sunday, mm-hmm. that, you know, when it's raining outside. I don't know how they come degrees. up with some of these stats. Yeah, so some, but I do it's think like a 12-parter. Yeah, that sometimes with Russell Wilson, I do think when his career is over, he'll have those numbers of, like, this many passing yards, this many rushing touchdowns with a Super Bowl. So I think, I think he's going to be one of the best rushing quarterbacks with a Super Bowl of all time. And it's just like some of those things, like, hey, that's considered, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. I think Cam Newton's a was a really good quarterback. He's not a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. But he's so close. Oh, I want him to be a Hall of Famer more than anything. But yeah, he, I don't think he's there either. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, I don't think, think he is either. I think he's really good. It was it was great when he was when he was at his peak. He was fantastic, right? I thought Cam had an opportunity to take over the league. I really did. I thought if he could have played consistently, like he did his MVP season, if he had done that, you know, three, four, five more years, and I don't, I don't mean be an MVP every year. I just mean be really damn good. And be the guy. I mean, I just think that he had a whole, a whole nother level opportunity on and off the field to be that next level dude, right? I thought he could have been a, an ambassador for a lot of different elements of the game. I mean, he. I thought he had a whole lot in front of him, and injuries just took over. He just got too banged up. He just couldn't couldn't go anymore. Uh, Aaron hit us back on Twitter. If Derek Carr wins the Super Bowl for the Raiders, the nation will love him forever. He'll never have to buy a meal in Vegas again, uh, and that's not wrong. <laughs> that's not wrong. Rich Masaccia already gets a pass in Vegas 
Rich Basaccia, anytime he comes to Vegas, he'll never have to buy a meal just based off of what he was able to do, help to lead the team to the playoffs last season. So, yeah, you're right about that. Now, he goes and wins the Super Bowl. He won't have to, he won't have to buy a meal in Vegas. He won't have to buy a meal in Oakland. He won't have to buy a meal in Fresno. He won't have to buy a meal in L.A. I mean, there'll be a lot of places Derek Carr can go and not have to buy a meal. Houston, he'll, he'll, he still has love from, from Houston. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of people that will say, yeah, Derek, don't worry about paying for this meal. We got you. It'll be some random. Like, oh, yeah. I see that he has like 10 people he's feeding over there. I got the I got the meal. Oh, wait, is that much? Oh, hold on. Let's split the check. <laughs> Can we split the check? <laughs> Tell DC that we'll, we'll pick up half. You give us the other half. 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Juan the Smasher. Juan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's going on? Hey, right, man, you know, chilling. How you doing? I know that's right. I'm right here. Blessed. Hey, check this out. But uh, Carr, he, he's going to reach that fight, that 5K on passing easily. And on the 30, he's going to get that easily too because he got that three-headed monster. I'm going to say right here, uh, Adams, he's going to get 14 touchdowns. Renfro, he's going to get 11. And then uh, um, Waller, he's going to get eight. So he's going to have 33-plus. Mm. You know what? Yeah, because he's going to be out there eating. He's going to be out there just throwing it. And I just want this guy to win, and especially against the Chiefs. But, yeah, for sure, I believe he could get the 5K and the 30 easily. Okay. All right, and – Yes, sir. You guys have a good day. Hey, you too, brother. Thank you for the call, man. Appreciate it. It's great to hear from you. And right there, he said 33 amongst those three. 14, 11, and 8. That's a that's big time right there. And, and if, if Carr puts up those kind of numbers, nothing wrong with that. Got a couple good texts real quick. And uh, I was going to get into cover three, but I realized we don't have too much time left in the show. We're actually going to sign off a few minutes early today uh, for Aviator Baseball. Really, that's going to happen throughout the course of the week this week. So uh, just kind of put that in your notes. 445-ish, we're going to sign off every day. And then Thursday, we're going to actually sign off at about 4 o'clock and have a pond for the review and then Aviator Baseball. But we'll know exactly what time on Thursday We'll actually know on Thursday, so we'll get to that. But I got a couple quick texts I want to get to. And, hey, thank you so much for all this feedback. It's been fantastic on the show today. Jason and, and MD said, yeah, well, to Favre and everybody else, why is there go-to reason on why Devontae Adams' numbers will go down have to be, well, he's not as good as A-Rod? Nobody did that when Diggs went from Kirk Cousins to Josh Allen. Nobody ever said Carr is as talented as A-Rod, but this is where everybody goes. I just don't get that. Why can't we just wait and see how it goes? You're right. And I don't know the context. Honestly, Jason, thank you for the text. I don't know the context. Like, I don't know why Brett was asked that question, right? Because that was the thing. It's like we asked the question, and then when people give you their honest answer, then it's like, oh, he was so disrespectful. And I'm not saying this back to you, Jason. I'm just saying that that's a lot of times the case. I'm not sure exactly why he was even asked the question, except for the fact that they have the Packer ties. That's the only reason. And so for him off the top of his head to say, well, I mean, his numbers will probably drop a little bit because Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. I think that that's probably – what was meant, but yeah, whatever. You know, and this this text right here, I think is great. Q and Demond. Now, if Rogers product productivity productivity drops without Adams, do we start the convo that he was a product of a great receiver? That wouldn't be disrespect. And just win, baby. That text is great because this is the thing. I think that Rogers' production's gonna go down. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And nobody's talking about that right now. Matter of fact, they have the Packers up there as a team that they think is going to get to the playoffs and make a deep run. I think the team's going to have a big issue. I really do. I don't think that they really have replaced Devontae Adams very well. I know they went out and, and handled their business in the draft, and I know they went out and got some guys in, in free agency. I get that. But Devontae Adams is a different beast. I expect Aaron Rodgers' production to go down. So I expect people to say, well, Aaron Rodgers slipped a little bit without Devontae Adams. That conversation is coming. Now, obviously, <laughs> the season's a long way away, but I, I think that conversation is one that we'll be having all the time. 
I really do. And we had a call earlier, and I think maybe Fargo Raider said it, that Devontae Adams might feel a little disrespected because he's like, wait a minute, hold on. Aaron Rodgers didn't make me. You know, and I, I don't think that those guys are close friends, so I don't think that they take it personal like that. But I know I'd be like, wait, hold on, man. I ain't no slouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I'm a damn good wide receiver. I can go out there and get it done. Carr's very accurate. You know, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers, obviously, he has a certain d- way of dropping the ball in the bucket. Derek Carr has skills, too. I mean, he ain't no slouch. He ain't been around the league as long as he has for no reason. And one of the things that it just doesn't move the needle in our industry is that, hey, these guys were just good with each other. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers' career high in touchdowns, 48, two seasons ago. That was also Devontae Adams' career and career record in receiving touchdowns. Yep. So it goes hand in hand. It does. He gets his 48 touchdowns. Devontae Adams has 18 of those receptions for touchdowns. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, both of those guys did great things for each other. Let's, I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers could throw the ball, but, you know, Devontae Adams had to catch it. And Devontae Adams could catch it, but Aaron Rodgers had to throw it. I mean, they go hand in hand. So that's, that's the other thing to think about. I think that that's really, uh, that's really something to pay attention to in this whole situation. Rob in Oakland hit us back on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. We just got a couple more before we sign off. Far statements were factually correct. But over the years, I've become fed up with people talking bad about Derek. I think I'm hypersensitive at this point. Maybe the baby A-Rod nickname is appropriate. Rob in Oakland. You remember James Jones gave that to, to Derek Carr. He, he called him baby A-Rod. You know who James Jones played with and where he played? Played in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So he clearly obviously has some kind of understanding of who Derek Carr is. And I'm never going to come out here and say that, oh, Derek Carr is Aaron Rodgers-like. I just and, and I don't think he has to be. I think he just has to be Derek Carr-like. Good text, Rob. Appreciate you. Then we got another text. Q and Demond. Yeah, it was Fargo Raider. LOL. Just win, baby. Okay, good stuff. Thank you so much. That'll work. All right, so that's going to do it for today's show. You hear the music. That kind of means that, hey, Q, it's time to wrap it up. It's like the Grammys. When you hear the music, it's time to wrap up the speech. So we definitely appreciate all the guests that we had on the show from Ed Graney, John McClain, Mo Moten, and Shehan Jaraja uh, joining us talking all things NFL and college football. Fantastic show today. We're going to come back with a lot of heat tomorrow as well. We appreciate you. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 to 10 a.m. Vinny, Clay, and Heidi, and they'll have plenty for you as well and more giveaways too. So you want to win some stuff? Keep it right here on Rare Nation Radio 920. We got uh, Aviator Baseball coming up in just a matter of a few minutes here on Rare Nation Radio 920. We'll talk tomorrow.